Jewish Latin Princess, episode 87, Jessica Kupferman, digital marketing and podcasting expert. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Do you have a podcast? Would you like to have one? Today, we take an inside look at this industry with one of the pioneers of podcasting, an expert in connection and influence. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Jessica Kupferman, and this is such a fun conversation for me. Fine. Maybe I'm a little biased because I love what I do so much, and my guest is the expert at it. In fact, before I bring her on, I want to give a shout out to some of the listeners who've left reviews on iTunes recently. I took a peek and I read the following. The Jewish Latin Princess is such an amazing podcast. I love to hear about so many interesting and inspiring Jewish women. And another listener recently said, thank you, Yael, for giving us food for thought, inspiration and knowledge. Thank you so much, ladies. I am so glad that my work is of value to you. And I love hearing from you because it can get a little lonely behind this mic, believe it or not. So keep the reviews coming. By the way, if you're not quite sure how to do that, I hear you. It's not super obvious. You have to go inside your podcast app in your on your iPhone. And even if you're subscribed to the show, you kind of have to, I think, go on the search en- engine and, and look for it again. And then once you get the picture, then you tap on it and you'll get, you'll see the first few episodes available. And under that, you have to keep scrolling down for a second or two and you'll see the review section and you can leave a review there. So it's, it takes a little bit of fussing with it, but hey, if you're just hanging out, standing in line board and you're anywhere on your phone, it only really takes a few seconds. So if you want to go ahead and do that. Now, turning it over to our super guest. Let me tell you that anyone who's taking podcasting seriously ultimately ends up knowing or hearing about Jessica Kupferman, especially if you're a woman. Jessica is an internet and digital marketing pioneer. She helps content creators grow and monetize a loyal rabid fan base through understanding connection and the power of influence. So I think even if you're not in this industry, you're going to learn a lot from her. She has worked on branding and messaging for large corporations such as Comcast and Subaru, as well as with hundreds of bloggers, podcasters, and online entrepreneurs by teaching personality driven social media and sales strategy. How do I know? Je- how do I know Jessica or get got to Jessica? Well, I'll tell you, because she is the co-host and co-founder of the She Podcast brand, which currently supports over 10,000 female podcasters and has a digital marketing reach of over 50,000 content creators. Oh, and Jessica also started a podcasting advertising agency, JK Media Agency, in 2015, which she later sold in 2017 to pursue her passion for helping independent podcasters create connection and step into their influence. Currently, she is the head of marketing for Rebel Base Media, where she helps members like myself prepare for success in podcasting. So how did Jessica end up focusing her efforts in this very new media? Yes, it's still quite new. And what are the barriers to entry that she notices women face time and time again when entering this new media? 
What message do you need to get across to potential sponsors when you're asking them to partner with your show? It might not just be number of downloads. Listen to some insights on how to connect better with others and not give over too much information right, while still being relatable and human, etc. Jessica believes that our legacy is not our body of work necessarily, but rather our legacy is how we made people feel during our lifetime. So Jessica is a marketer. She's an expert in connection. But even so, how did Jessica gain this insight? This is not something they teach you in marketing one-on-one. Jessica is a delight. Whether you're new to podcasting, have your own show, or are just a listener, you're going to learn a lot from her and enjoy her. Here's the fun Jessica Kupferman. Jessica Kupferman, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun that I get to talk all about podcasting with you, one of the pioneers of the podcasting world and somebody who's been instrumental to me as I've um, grown in my work on this this space of the audio world, I guess. Um, thank you. So thank you for, for joining us. Um, I want to get us started with, um, if you would take us back in time, I know that podcasting and helping podcasters is your life. Like this is what you do, but I'd love for you to take us to those early moments or the moment where you decided, listen, podcasting is where I want to focus on because I understand over the years, you've had tremendous experience with content creators and, in, and marketing expertise. You've worked with big brands. You've worked with entrepreneurs. Why venture in at the time into what was was a totally new space. What made you fall in love with it? Well, so actually, I'm not as new to the space as you would think. Um, my co-host, Elsie Escobar, has been podcasting since 2006. I didn't really get into it until 2013. So mm. it was very new for women, but not necessarily new in general. I was doing graphic and web design and branding and I'm one of those types of personalities that just I was having I wasn't having a hard time standing out by writing like a blog, but mm -hmm. I just sort of felt like it wasn't enough. And so I wanted to start speaking. But at the time, my husband and I were also talking about having a baby. And I knew if I started this like crazy speaking career that I'd have to halt it, you know, right in the middle to have a baby and then go back to it. So I was kind of looking for a way to like reach out, but, and you know, but I, I like the live audience. So like, it wasn't just about creating YouTube videos. Like I was trying to figure out like, how do I put myself in front of people without, you know, actually physically putting myself in front of people. And then a friend of mine, Anastasia Valentine asked me to come on her podcast and it was blog talk radio, which I, it's terrible. And like, <laughs> I had to, I had to like call in and you know, it sounded dread blog talk radio. Like, it was terrible. Um, but I loved the way she like had segments and she was like, hi, welcome back to the show. Like it just felt, I felt horribly jealous, like envious and red, you know, green with envy. <laughs> so, so I was like, I have to have a podcast like right now. So, I mean, everything I was working on halted for two weeks while mm -hmm. I figured out my brand and my website and I changed my whole life so that I could start lady business radio. Mm -hmm. And, um, I did that show for two years and then lo and behold, I got pregnant. Um, when I had the baby, I went on maternity and when I came back, the entrepreneurial space had sort of been 
I don't want to say filled, but there were a few other shows that were similar to mine. And I didn't really miss having the same conversation with entrepreneurs. You know, like I had had 150 interviews and I just sort of felt like I think they're all starting to sound the same, at least to me. Mm -hmm. So that also that second year that I was doing podcasting, I met Elsie Escobar in person. And I found that at the New Media Expo in in Vegas, I Mm -hmm. found that the women podcasters were so much more helpful when I was asking them questions about what I should do or how I should grow. And so I came home from that, started a women's group just for podcasters. And Elsie was like, oh, let me add some of my friends. And then lo and behold, there's like 100 people in there like the next day. And then she asked me, would you like to do a pod, you know, a podcast for women podcasters? And I was like, sure. So we started that. So I was doing two shows at once. And then when I came back from maternity, this was really the only space I felt like people still need. It's not that you know, people need you or they don't need you. But I just felt like this was more of a space where I feel like people had a huge women had a huge barrier to entry that they didn't have just in the business space. And I mm-hmm. wanted to help. I sort of wanted to help um, facilitate them being able to get their messages out. I felt like, you know, we still add 20 to 30 people in the group every day. So it's obviously a need where women feel like their message isn't getting across or they need the exposure or they have something to say. Right. And so, from, so you yeah. started so you that group that you started back then is still the same group that I'm a member of the she same podcast group. Facebook group. Wow. Yeah, it's the same group. Now it's 12,000 women. It's unbelievable. So you mentioned huge barrier to entry that you felt women are having. What do you think those are? Well, at the time, and I still sort of believe this, I feel like women have a barrier to entry that I personally have never had issues with. For example, fear of being heard. Mm-hmm. I think women like fear of speaking up for themselves. That was an LC one or they didn't understand the tech or they felt like the tech was too complicated or they felt like it was too much to fit into their lives and they were too busy. I mean, that one is really the one that was my barrier. But when people ask, like, how do you fit it in? I just was like, well, I just fit the rest of my life around my podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't fit it in. I feel everything else in. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I just felt like I had to do. But, you know, I've never had a fear of being heard. Like I've been on stage on some form since I was like three years old. And <laughs> I certainly don't have a problem speaking up because I've been a loud mouth since birth. And like <laughs> these are things that I saw other women struggling with. And I was just like, what? How did we got to fix it? This? this is ridiculous. <laughs> Let know? me talk to you, sister. <laughs> hey, let me help you out here. You're being ridiculous. You know, you are valued and your message is important. And, you know, sometimes you just need someone to say, pull the trigger, woman. Uh-huh. And then they, you know, and then they go for it. So you're, you're, you're amazing. I, I mean, yeah. let's, it's funny that you said, because it, I still feel like many people, I feel like it's still new to, I, I, I know that it doesn't feel like it that is, to no. you because you've been no, in it, it for so long, very- but you know how I met Jessica, you know how many times in my week I bump into people and I'm like, hey, have you been listening to my podcast? And they're like blank stare and not because they wouldn't want to listen, but rather it's like followed by what is a podcast? And here I am. Oh, it's explaining and giving them a tutorial on their phone. And it's like, at least in the Jewish world, it's like still very, very new. (laughs) It's just a new medium. You know, as much as people know about it when they're wanting to build an audience, it's less known if you're just a casual listener or like the normal day-to-day person. Like I think people are starting to understand what a podcast is, but maybe they don't listen or they've never tried it or they don't know how or blah, 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 blah. Right, 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 right. And and just as many people are, you know, are, st- are still picking it up. Um, I feel like uh, to some extent, and tell me what you think, many companies are still a little bit behind in their understanding of what podcasting can do for them, not as another way to connect with their customers, but really 
Um, I'm referring to the power of podcast hosts, or as you rather refer to us as audio influencers, the value we add to them as being able to put their message and their product into the ears of the right target audience. Um, so I'd love for you to address that. Are companies really understanding the value proposition that, oh. that as audio yeah. influencers we have? Um, is there a disconnect there? Where can we be doing? What could we be doing better, perhaps? I mean, it depends on what you need the companies to understand and why. If we're talking about, are we talking about advertising and sponsorship? Is that what you? Yeah, I'm refer exactly. Yeah, okay. I'm referring to that, that because I guess that's what's relevant to independent independent podcast hosts. And I don't know that there are companies who get it, but I think it's still new enough that there's some level of education that uh, needs to happen or it just becomes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of education that needs to happen. I have mm -hmm. a I've put together like a mini course of how to, you know, information about the podcast audience, how to sell podcast advertising without even talking about your show, because I feel like that is something that when podcasters go to pitch a company that is missing because they only know to talk about their show, their mission, their audience. But you have to sort of show you yeah, also this is a proven entity and people mm. are doing very well on all shows. And this is the listener. And they have a very high buying power and they're highly educated and they're mostly married. And I think most podcasters don't know those statistics and it's really important. So the companies themselves, you know, when I when I started an ad agency in 2016 and I almost always had to explain in how podcast advertising worked. And by the time I sold two years later, most people knew what podcast advertising was, but they were still a little bit hesitant about getting into the space. So I would hope that a year or so later, it would be, you know, I feel like every year it gets a little bit more familiar and a little bit more familiar. I still feel like it is right. a new a new concept and people are either super excited to try it or scared to death to try it. Yeah. Or they're so focused on the number of downloads. Whereas as you've said many times before, it's so much more than that. Right. And just, it's not yes. just the number. There is a voice, a very trustworthy voice uh, behind that mic <laughs> that your, your audience actually <laughs> believes in this person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that part is tough. You, your the presentations always have to show that you have some type of influence and and every advertiser just really wants one thing and that is access to the exact right audience so you kind of have to show that you have the exact right audience and that you have some sort of sway with them and it doesn't necessarily matter if it's about how many downloads on your show if you have a large community in general if you have Instagram or Twitter or Facebook I feel like independent podcasters need to get better at selling their entire sphere and right. not just downloads. Right, right. right. I, I guess I, I, it, we have to also develop, which it's true for everyone nowadays, we have to develop our own personal brand, that the whole personal brand goes hand in hand with it, right? Yes, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think it depends on what your goal is for having a podcast. If your goal is to become a thought leader, then definitely if your goal is to bring in clients, you definitely have to strengthen your brand. Um, your business brand, not necessarily your personal brand. You can be the face of your company, but um, personal brand is important if you yourself are want to be an influencer, regardless of what you're doing as a job, or if you want influencer as a job, if you want right. that as your job title, which you know is tricky. I think people define that in a bunch of different ways. Like I think if you're under the age of thirty, you define that as someone who just like poses. <laughs> a lot on Instagram and then once in a while mentions like a product <laughs> that sells. If you're my age, it's more about 
recommending something that you really believe in and seeing, you know, partnering with a company that you really like and hoping that you can help them with sales. But it's different. Right, They're different right, things. Right. Really. So we talked about a few challenges. We talked about um, women specifically, and um, we've we've mentioned this uh, the, also the challenges of um, uh, podcast audio influencers, independent podcast hosts. Are there any other challenges that you see people are tripping over again uh, within the industry? Any any challenges that you say like these are really poignant? I see them on and on again and again. I think discoverability is a problem. I think, mm. like you said, because people don't necessarily know how to listen, and podcasters get very frustrated that when they say they have a podcast, the answer is usually, what's that again? And, you know, that can be frustrating. I feel like they have to get really, really good at explaining how to listen or get really good at being like, oh, you want to hear my show? Go into your own app and share it, whether it's via Spotify, via Apple. You can send somebody a text message with your podcast. Siri is now capable of opening a podcast if you right. just say, hey, Siri, open this podcast. Uh-oh, I started my Siri. <laughs> <laughs> there Sorry. you go. <laughs> this is real life people. <laughs> yes. So um I think if you just have one one way that you tell people to listen, even if it's just one person at a time, it makes a big difference. Or when you're posting about it, make sure that you say, and by the way, if you don't know how to listen, here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Just so that you can get people who want to listen in on the game. So I think people feel left out, but they feel like they're afraid to ask because it makes them look stupid. Which is <laughs> you know, with understandably, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Jessica, you are really an expert in connection and influence. And I loved to read um, on your your website that you really help, you really feel like you're here to help people connect with other people. And I, I want to quote something that I read that I thought was so powerful. You said that once you do that, meaning connecting with others, the world is going to be a better place. But the problem is that everyone is scared, scared to tell the truth, scared to be judged, scared to say the wrong thing. And I can guide you to the other side. That's what you said. Mm -hmm. um, these words are super, in this day and age, very, very relevant. I'd love for you to address that in more depth. Like, why are we so scared? And, and what will the other side look like for those people who really need help, the help of somebody like you and mastering a different way of communicating? Believe it or not, that that concept is really more about how individuals react to and think of the world. Like mm -hmm. whether it's online or offline, I think people right now feel like the world is a scary place and it's better to say nothing than say what they think or feel. Oh. Um, and so for me, it's more about, you know, it's not even just that politics makes us disconnected. Just the way our lives are is very disconnected. Like we used to send, you know, like as children, we were sent out to play and good luck to you. And now there's like very scheduled play dates with a certain start time and a certain end time. Like we're not as open and welcoming with one another as a society as we used to be. Mm -hmm. And so I like to help people practice not being so much in their head just in day-to-day -day life like something where I mean yes when you're standing in line at the bank or whatever fine look at your phone but <laughs> maybe also look at the other people around you are there people who are are there little children around who find you fascinating are there people who can't find something in their purse like is there I mean I don't want to be like be on the lookout for someone you can help but just observe for a second the humanity that's surrounding you, the people behind the desk and the people standing by the door. And there's just so many people to connect with that we just ignore all the time. Mm -hmm. When you're going through the drive through, how often do you like how often do you genuinely want that person to have a great day? And how often are you just saying something 
so that because it's like a custom greeting you're not even thinking about like think about that other person really hope they have a good day that kind of stuff and it helps drip over into all the places that we are afraid because once you start practicing being able to connect with just random people Mm -hmm. then it's easier online to say what you want to say in a respectful and kind way if you Mm -hmm. can practice doing these things like in, in real life it's it's almost as if you are speaking with your heart and with integrity and with kindness instead of being defensive all the time and those are the qualities that people look to connect to, right? I think all of us have the capability to be kind and thoughtful and respectful. And I think the way that we communicate digitally gives us opportunity to stop being that way. It's like we have to practice those skills because we don't really have to have them on a regular, you know, in a regular basis. If you're mm-hmm. a single person, you really don't have to be kind or respectful to anybody all day. Really, you go, you do your job, you go pick up food, you go home to your apartment, you watch Netflix all night. Like you don't really have to ever connect with another person, truly look at someone in the eye ever. That's and, so scary, but it's true. But it's true, right? I mean, you really don't, you really do not need to learn those skills. Even if your parents try to teach you those skills, it's unlikely that they've succeeded, you know, because you have been on the phone talking with your friends in some way, shape or form since you were 12. So um, it's something that makes us feel isolated, which also makes us feel misunderstood and defensive. And I think, you know, it's it's like practicing to ride a bike almost you kind of just have to start pedaling and see how it goes and fall off and keep going like it's going to feel uncomfortable at first to look at people in the eye shake their hand right say thank you and really mean it say you know whatever it is the tiniest little details are what makes us feel more connected to one another even if it's just a smile as you pass someone in the door it's a huge thing. That's so People interesting. People, I, I never thought about it that way. But I guess you're, the, the, the point here is that if you want to be a content creator and you really want to it, it change a little piece of the world or, or a big piece of the world, whatever that may be, with your voice and influence, you really have to get a lot better at those skill sets. Yeah, I mean, content creation just sort of improves as your ability to... I guess, be respectful improves because Mm -hmm. you are thinking constantly about how you can relate to others instead of how you're different from others. And even though we Mm want to be unique and individual, the way you create content and the way you grow an audience and the way you create loyal fans and the way you create um, people who need more, more, more of you is by constantly showing how relatable you are. So even if you have a terrible tragedy that happens in your life, like being sad about it is fine. Being devastated is fine. Getting through it is fine. I mean, wanting to kill yourself, maybe not so fine. Like there's a line of like, you know, I think it's it's like communicate, don't horrify. Mm. That's like my, <laughs> that's like my yeah. motto. Like yeah. communicate whatever you want and be relatable and be human and just try not to horrify people with, I mean, my, my main lines are like, you know, hor- you know, suicide and depression, murder and like medical problems. <laughs> like I don't really get into detail about like gastrointestinal <laughs> issues. Like that stuff can be left alone, you know? So you mean there is such a thing as TMI? It's, there's some stuff that's there just is. too much information. Yes. Even if you, yeah. I mean, there are ways to relate to people that don't have to have to do with anything medical. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm squeamish. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a pretty squeamish person. But like, I, I can't stand that stuff. But everything else I think is fair game. If you are looking to connect with people, with, with everyone, then you 
need to find the thing you want to say that's relatable to everyone. I think this is what you just said is actually so, so important from anybody listening, whether you're a content creator or not. I mean, this this being relatable over over just trying to be unique. Really, the key to connection is this being relatable and the, the, the connecting to people on that very genuine level um, without, as you say, you know, going overboard with right. <laughs> the info. <laughs> you want them to connect, not to horrify. Not to scare. You know, I, I also read very powerful words from you and definitely a unique perspective. And I'm curious, where did you gain that? Because I don't think it's something we just, you just pick up as a marketing executive in corporate America. And I'm going to tell you what I referred to. You wrote on your website that you believe in connection over content. Yes. But that you said your legacy won't be your body of work. It'll be how you made people feel. And that was just so on point and so awesome. Again, I don't think it's something you just pick up from your boss or your mentor. I'm curious, is this something you were brought up with, you observed at home? Um, There's something deeper here. That's very astute. (laughs) (laughs) uh that comes from losing people that were close to me Mm -hmm. um both recently and a while ago i lost my mother when i was 30 and then my daughter passed away two years ago she was 19 and in both cases i well my mother died of cancer my daughter unfortunately died of an accidental heroin overdose but in both cases ironically they both felt very for different reasons very isolated very unloved very you know my mother I think was already feeling that way before she got cancer she Mm -hmm. was not necessarily in a happy marriage and she was you know just not able to work because she was sick and just she felt isolated for whatever reason and in both cases when the two of them passed away my daughter in particular because she was she had borderline personality she was mentally ill so um she was constantly telling me how much she hated other people in a funny way she was like garfield and like (laughs) how everybody hated her Mm -hmm. um and yet 300 people showed up to her memorial 300 Mm -hmm. people and i think it's because you know and and when they stood in line you know it wrapped around the room kids stood in line to talk about how she made them feel emily's the only person that ever made me that ever told me i was beautiful emily's the only person that said she would you know i was crying in the hallway and she sat with me until i felt better and i didn't even know this person or emily inspired me to stay sober because she told me i was better than that it went on and on and on and on and it just made me really think like when we die People always say, like, when you die, you take nothing with you. You're all alone when you're born and you're all alone when you die. I mean, truly, the opposite is happening, though. Like, we are not all alone when we're born. It may turn out that way at some point, but someone's giving birth to you because that's medically impossible otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then then when we go, the only way you're going to be truly alone is if you never interact with another soul. Regardless of how you feel and however low you get and however lonely you feel and isolated – you are, in effect, connecting with others or not very consciously throughout your day. And I just feel like I wish that I wish that both of them had the ability to know now how many people loved them mm-hmm. while they were alive. And, and I'm not and I mean, there's nothing much that I can. It's not like I can change my life to be more aware of who loves me and who doesn't because people either tell you or they don't. Right. But but just knowing that as you move through your day that you can be aware that you've either made someone smile, that you've made someone smile, period. Right, right, right. You know? So yeah, that was very astute of you. And no, it's not something that that you just learn from a marketing mentor. It's something that 
I noticed from people I love disappearing and what, what what's left what's left is when people come up and tell you your mom was so funny we always had such a good time right. your daughter was hilarious your daughter did this you know like that stuff is a legacy all right. those things are a legacy that's the stuff that I'm gonna have to leave too because it is true you can't take your you know crap with you <laughs> right but <laughs> But someday someone will say those things about me. She really helped me. She was so funny. We always had a great time. We were bad together in high school, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, like those are the things you're leaving to people is your memories. I think what you're saying, I mean, it's so it's so important. And I, I it just resonates with me. It just from a Jewish perspective, Jessica, I mean, the lesson that you've yes. learned is just so, so on par with what Judaism teaches us. And just this fact that we were brought into this world for a purpose. This is not random. And, and part a big part of that is how you impact the life of others. And we don't realize um all the time that how our smile, our kind words, those things that this this little favor, this little act of kindness is really um, what it's all about. Um, and I guess a big lesson for all of us is to to know that we are making a difference in other people's lives. Um, not just know that other people love us, but that we are agents for goodness and kindness. And as you and how little effort it takes too. Yes. It's so much more effort to be cantankerous and moody. Yes. That's like so much energy. <laughs> it's so much easier to just be like, what's up? You know, just smile. <laughs> how are you? Nice scarf. Like you can, it's so easy. It takes so much more energy to be like, everyone hates me. My life is so boring. Like mm -hmm. that's so exhausting. The right. rest is not exhausting. Yeah. But right, yeah, right. I never thought of it in a Jewish perspective, but you're right. There you go. Yes. That's why this is the Jewish Latin princess show. You know, it, it, I, it almost makes me think that, um, you know, you, I would have never, I guess one would never know that you've had tremendous challenges in your life. Uh, I think you also, your parents got divorced. I think I read that somewhere. So definitely yeah, I was it yeah. was 18. My parents was, also was, when I was 18. Um, really? Yeah. It's interesting. I guess, you know, when you leave off to college, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I came back my first semester and there Me was too. the new. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. By Christmas break, it was done. Yeah, it was like, it what? It was done. Uh, yeah, we're holding hands over the summer. What's happening here? Yeah, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, I don't know about your parents, but my parents um, stayed best friends, which was even weirder. And they would go out to dinner together. And then when they got remarried, they all four would go hang out together. And it just was very, I found it very annoying. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's cute, I guess, but yeah, well, actually my parents separated when I was in middle school and then they got back together and I really hated that. And I, yeah. and I was very vocal about it. And I told them, I don't think this arrangement's going to work. Like, literally, I think we're all better off <laughs> if you guys just call it quits. But they didn't listen. So then I went off. To, I finished high school. I went off to college. And then I came back. And that was the end of it. Okay. But anyway, my, my question was about dealing with challenges and I, I, I hear you. I know you from, I know your work. I'm part of your community and, and you exude just fun and optimism and you're upbeat and funny and you're incredibly giving also. And I wonder if this beautiful personality is to a large extent what's helped you bounce back over and over again from the very challenging times that uh that you've had to endure do you think that has to do with it 
Definitely. I think that, I mean, I have had my share. (laughs) I think that in the second half of my life, I would like to have the opposite of those things. But yeah, I I have recently learned that I've been putting out some kind of crisis or fire since I was like 22, 21, which is when I got pregnant with my daughter. And I am ready for that to be different. But I do think it has given me incredible insight into just general human behavior. Mm -hmm. I tend to be able to instinctively know when people are I think maybe because I felt every emotion from grief and sadness all the way to like happiness and success. Like I can instantly recognize when someone is uncomfortable, when they're feeling scared, when they have just apprehension. And it's really it's actually very helpful, not necessarily as a podcaster, because we can't see one another. Although when you're listening, when people are listening, those of you listening, you can hear my voice just like you can hear in Yael's like when it's when. When we're feeling some type of way because Mm. podcasting is so intimate. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's really interesting that it's given me this ability, but I would like to now not learn anymore from tragedy. Yes. Please, God. um, Amen to that. It should be like that. (laughs) Dear God, we don't need more challenges. Okay. But it's interesting, Jessica, that this this really just ties it's funny how life is just full circle because you are indeed an expert in connection and influence and what you just described about yourself is what's made you uh, this person you know this ability to because you've experienced all these emotions you're so in tune I, I think that is in great deal what's given you this unique talent in in in, in connect in connection and communication yeah for sure. So let's wrap it up with a game that I do with all my guests. Uh, so Sweet. In- indulge me here. So this is called JLP fill in the blanks. And I'm just going to shoot at uh, shoot at you an open ended sentence. And you're just going to finish it with oh, the first thing that oh comes God, to mind. <laughs> These are not hard. And there's no wrong or right answer. But they okay. are a little kind of spiritual woo woo. Okay, but just hold on to your seat. Okay, here we mm-hmm. go. I'm Jessica Kupferman. Kupf- uh, and I feel <laughs> most spiritual when um, I'm outside in nature. Mm. Where do you live, Jessica? Um, somewhere terrible. Wilmington, Delaware. But um, that doesn't the- sound is it, is it like it's nature not, there? Yeah? No, it's not so no, not no. particularly. But uh-huh. there are some we do have a few local parks that seem foresty. And then also we have the beach. Oh, see, and that's where I, nice. Where I grew up was I grew up in Frederick, Maryland, and it's pretty mountainous there. And nice. I went to summer camp, and all those places make me feel the most spiritual. Yeah, I think. you like the outdoors. I I love the beach. I guess because I grew up in the beach. And yeah, the beach I, especially. Water. For sure. It's just like my happy. You know, like my happy place. Like when your your brain needs to go, that's my place. The sun, the surf, the sand. Yes. Really happy. <laughs> no rain. No wetness, no, no cloudy day. I just want the sun to be beating on my skin. Yes. And then I'm happy. Yes. My favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is. Ooh, that's a difficult one. I mean, I'm supposed to say whatever came to my head, but like I, I think, okay, <laughs> I know what it is. Do you remember? I don't know if you learned this. I guess everybody in Hebrew school learns the different ones. But my favorite mitzvah is making sure that your pets and your children are fed before you are. Oh, that's so and I, every, kind. Ever since I learned that, I've always been very conscious of. I mean, sometimes I cheat. Like I'm, like you know, if I'm getting, because <laughs> like if I sometimes like if I'm coming downstairs to get my little boy a drink, I'll take a <laughs> sip and then run up. You know, like I, I don't always not always perfect but I'm always aware that I'm not being perfect and that I shouldn't be doing this when my child is thirsty like I 
<laughs> I give myself a really hard time about it. But that one, I don't know why it has resonated with me my whole life that you come last, which is very kind of the opposite of what self-care people and the airplanes tell you, which is take care True. of yourself first and then go to help other people. But I guess it's just for feeding and nourishment. You're supposed to make sure others are fed first, yes. which, I, yes, which yes. I agree with. It's Yeah, that's that. I, I did. I never heard that on the show. And I so appreciate that. That's awesome. By the way, how old is your son? I have two. One is four and one is 20. Oh, very <laughs> I nice. had I had my older two children when I was 21, 22. And then I got divorced and remarried and had a little one about four years ago. Oh, how yummy. Four is such a delicious age. He is delicious. Such he thinks a, he's a vampire. No, a so vampire. Where did, very interesting. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Halloween. He's been obsessed with Halloween since he was two and just sort of Hotel Transylvania himself into existence. So like he tells everyone he's going to suck their blood and oh goodness thanks for some fun conversations uh, with I'm, I'm sure i'm sure mm-hmm. my fondest sweetest jewish memory is shabbatones oh that really like right like in out. camp or like those camp shabbatones or what so, are you groups no so i i live growing up there was one synagogue and it was conservatox it was uh-huh. conservative orthodox the rabbi was orthodox and when the family you know children grew you know there's like 50 families that went there and when we grew to be a certain age the rabbi started inviting us to his house for Shabbat and it was through NCSY yeah. which is one of the more religious youth groups for but sure. You know, his house, he had an old ha- townhouse in the city. It was like 100 years old and had three floors. And um, just, you know, being with the kids I went to Hebrew school with in our pajamas and sort of like running around in his house. And he had so many bedrooms because the rabbi had like 10 kids. <laughs> so it was like, it was like just the hugest house. And it was fun to be, to sit. It was just kind of like permission to not do anything but learn and interact with one another. You don't get that really anywhere else. Like, because you cannot turn on the TV or cook or do anything else. There's, you can't do anything but have fascinating conversation, sing and eat. And it's like the dream kind of. And eat yummy challah. I mean, what could be better than that? She used to make cholent. Do you, have you ever had cholent? Hello. I have it. I have it every Saturday, my dear. (laughs) You're invited whenever you want. Oh my God. I would love it. I love cholent so much. And it's such a, Boy, what a schlep to make it. But like, I mean, I've, I've done it a few times. And once I made a terrible mistake and added in um, t- uh, stewed tomatoes that were Italian spice. That was oh. so hard. Oh, my God. The oregano was terrible. But um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, just all those memories are so strong with me. Yeah. You know, I, I could see that. That's so beautiful. All right. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is. um, Gosh, I did learn a lot about Judaism. So that's definitely hard to say. You know, I feel like I only got the basics. I kind of wish I had learned more about spiritualism and less about the stories and the particular lessons. Because now that I feel like I know the Adam and Eve, the Noah's Ark and the Passover story and the Hanukkah story, I need I need something more to fill my daily life. And and those the next step is sort of empty, I guess because I didn't get confirmed or I don't even know if that would have helped. Yeah, no, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. There's that, that disconnect between what we learned as children and especially in Hebrew school. And then like, how does that apply to my adult life? Like those um, yeah. stories are super rich and they're full of spirituality. But they when, when they were given to us on an eight year old or seven year old level, um, 
you know, that was that level. But what happens is at some point we stop getting the higher level of education. You know what I mean? Like, and then there's like, oh, I wish I really knew about these spiritual tools. But it's beautiful that you know that they are there and they're accessible. And I uh, have, yeah, I've, I mean, my my husband used to used to Torah study with someone like he got nice. match made sometimes online and he was doing it for a little while. And I don't know if it's really left an impact or not. But I just know that when I'm going through daily life, the lessons that I apply are ones my parents gave me or ones that I've read, mm. you know, um, about productivity or self-care. None of it is really Jewish related. And I wish it was. Yeah. Well, you know, now there's a ton of resources, including my podcast True. and my blog. So hop on oh, in there. <laughs> off we go. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. When I give Sadaka charity, I like to give to um, I almost always give to the school where my little boy goes. He goes to the JCC mm-hmm. and he does their early childhood development center. Um, and they do Sedaka every Friday, but also once in a while they have like they have a diaper drive or they'll um, you know, you, you're supposed to do co-op hours like you're supposed to do 10 a year where you either pay for something or give your time or volunteer. And I learned that you know, when the teacher sends an email and says, it would be so great if we had plastic dinosaurs, like I just send them through Amazon and it makes me so happy. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Finally, I'm Jessica Kopferman. And today I'm most grateful for Uh, my health and what's left of it or what's going to become. I don't know. But (laughs) right now I am the most grateful for my health and the health of my family that we're all relatively healthy and functional. And I'm I know how fragile that is. So I'm Thank very grateful. Thank God. For- and I wish you many, many years of a healthy and productive life. Thank you. With your and amazing, well. beautiful personality. Jessica, where can we find you? You can find me at jessicacupferman.com. I also work for rebelbasemedia.io. And if you're a woman podcaster, please find us at shepodcasts.com. Actually, we didn't get a chance to mention what uh, Rebel Media, I wanted to touch on that. So very briefly, oh, tell us what sure. Rebel's all about, because I know this is your latest endeavor. So Rebel Based Media is actually an umbrella company for some podcasting tech products, some of still some of which are still being introduced and some of them which are fully formed. So we have a podcast design studio where we help podcasters with graphic design. They have podcast websites which um, is hosting and website for people who don't want to deal with a website on their own. Right. There is um, Podcast Success Academy where I teach and do QA and mentoring. And it's amazing. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. I love it. Um, they are launching Captivate by the end of the month, which is their new growth-oriented hosting company, and then Productivity, which is super fantastic. But I, I can't really say much more other than what's on our website mm-hmm. at rebelbasemedia.io. So go ahead and check. Very cool. So, but basically, it's a way of being able to track listeners and yeah. Oh, oh, I want to know. I want to know about yeah. that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Really so cool. everybody out there, if you're out to, you wanna. Um, delve into podcasting Jessica is the woman to know so you know where to find her Jessica thank you so much for being here this was really a lot of fun it's been really fun thank you so much for having me Thanks to Jessica Kupferman for stopping by. You can learn more about Jessica at jessicacupferman.com. And if you have a podcast or will be launching one, why not join us at She Podcasts on Facebook? And if you're in the industry, of course, check out rebelbasemedia.io or podcastsuccessacademy.com. You can find tons of resources there um, by Jessica and her colleagues. Next week, we will have an incredible woman with us, another incredible woman, Her net worth boasts a lot of zeros, but her real wealth is not measured by the money she makes, but rather by the money that she gives. 
the lovely Hagit Soviet Levayev will be with us. And you don't want to miss her. I don't know if you know who she is, but you will learn soon. I hope you're having a great week, everybody. See you here next time. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.